0: Welcome back to the podcast series produced by the American Society of Human Genetics, where we talk to members of the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine's Roundtable on Genomics and Precision Health. I'm your host, Eli Robertson, here with your final episode. We're going to end this series where we started. Joining me again will be Sarah Beachy of the National Academies and Mona Miller of the American Society of Human Genetics. Welcome back.
1: Great to be here. Thanks, Eli. It's good to be back.
0: For today's episode, I wanted to explore some of the key takeaways from this podcast series and to talk a little bit about the future. To start us off, what do you hope people listening to this podcast were able to learn about the Roundtable and what kind of impact do you hope the Roundtable will have for people in genetics and genomics in the future?
1: I I hope listeners learned a little bit about the Roundtable and its work. Um, The adoption and innovation groups have really been exploring what genomics looks like in routine clinical care and how it can be used in a more proactive way, trying to get a little bit ahead of the challenges by thinking uh, to what's next. The equity group you heard about too, and they've spent their first phase of their work examining ways to improve clinical genomics workforce diversity. Um, We know that mentorship has a huge role in that, so I think that was an important point and of course, the dialogue group has been moving us beyond our usual types of activities to think about how to reach more audiences about topics um, like we covered last year on misinformation and thinking about how during the pandemic we saw reliable and
2: trustworthy sources of information come into question. And, you know, I really hope our listeners take away a greater understanding that these conversations are underway and that there are efforts and, and venues for having these very complex and important conversations that cut across multiple sectors, as Sarah has noted, and with multiple interests in play. I think the National Academies can maybe for some listeners feel far away in Washington and playing an important role, but it's really their member organizations, their companies, their advocacy organizations that do come to this forum to wrestle with these larger issues and try to identify sets of priorities that have tractable application and opportunity. So I'm just delighted that ASHG is able to give space and visibility to this really important work. Genomics is, as every researcher knows, complex at the bench level. It's even more complex, perhaps, at the policy, health, and systemic levels. So I'm I'm just delighted that ASHG has been a a longtime member of this group, and one voice in this, in this larger dialogue. And of course, I should note that all of these conversations are, are led by volunteers. They are their fellow researchers or other professionals who come and volunteer their time to think about these big questions so they can thank their colleagues for some extra time on the uh, on their schedules to undertake this important work.
0: So, over the course of this podcast, we've explored some highlights of the different roundtable working groups. With that in mind, this is a little bit of a Magic 8-Ball question. How do you think or maybe how do you hope the landscape of clinical care might evolve in the coming years to be more precision health-based and empowered by genomics knowledge?
1: Eli, I can take that question. I think that the roundtable has been thinking about these issues, and I think our work speaks to that. And we've discussed that genomic data is just so much more accessible now than it used to be for a variety of reasons. I think we will see much more grappling with how these data can be used by people, patients, research participants, and researchers and clinicians in a responsible and useful way to improve health. Are we ready for big changes or how could we be more ready? I think that's one of the things that you probably heard from the innovation group discussion. And also, I think we're keeping our eye a little bit on AI and large language models and how they're likely going to be a disruptor in medicine and what that means for precision medicine too. I also think we're paying attention to the diversity of the research databases and hopeful that. Because more diverse populations are included in research now, because of individuals choosing to participate, of course, more populations will hopefully reap the benefits from understanding the role of genetic variation in health and disease better. All of these things, I think, can be accomplished successfully, as we talked about in our introduction, using an interdisciplinary approach to really thinking about discovery
2: and translation of those discoveries into the clinic for people. Sarah, your comments just reminded me of a particular story during the diversity, equity and inclusion working group conversation about the importance of the diversity of the clinical workforce. It's a great example of an important area for focus for the entire community. And it's particularly relevant for ASHG and maybe ASHG members to know that that work is underway because the clinic is often the first time that a patient has the potential to also be a research participant. And so the degree to which the clinical workforce reflects the community more effectively, frankly, increases the likelihood that people will feel confident and comfortable in also contributing their samples for research. And that that then comes back and feeds the research enterprise so that we can make sure that our discoveries are more applicable to broader populations. And so it's exactly why the forum needs to exist and needs to include different representation around the room to solve larger problems that affect all of us.
0: There are many moving parts to enabling the implementation of an equitable access to precision healthcare, but at the same time, there's much easier access and availability of very powerful technologies. So it seems like that we're on the edge of something that could be really important with all the conversations we've been having, are there some notable challenges that you've identified in the roundtable or maybe potential or current opportunities that have come out of these conversations you might want to highlight for the listeners?
1: So I think uh, within the context of the roundtable's equity working group, they've outlined a few different areas that they wanted to explore related to achieving equity in genomics and precision health. One of those areas being Thinking about underrepresentation, this has come up before in genomics research, also the lack of diversity in the workforce. And related to that is the issues with equity and access to genomic services by people who need them. One of the things that the equity group did early on, and you probably heard about it in the earlier podcast series as well, was to host some learning sessions for our members. And Bring in experts who could really help us navigate the landscape and provide a foundation for all of the members to be thinking about how racism is embedded in scientific research, how it's embedded in genetics and genomics, and what is the deep-rooted history there, and really trying to give our members a sense of where we're starting from. And so I think those are really helpful conversations to have so that we could, in a A sort of safe and neutral place be able to ask questions and really think about the issues that we're grappling with and then really think about our next steps
2: and where we wanted to focus next mona was there anything else that you wanted to add there on behalf of ashg i would say one of the significant and real opportunities stems from the workforce and and it is a place where a professional society has a particular opportunity and where ashg has a particular focus The more diverse and inclusive the workforce, the richer the questions, the more diverse set of perspectives will be brought to research questions and begin to really enrich the research pipeline with better data that is more representative and more inclusive at reaching the the full diversity of, of humanity and ensures that the research is more applicable and that the clinical outputs are more relevant for more populations. And so, As I talked about at the beginning, we are in many ways a a trunk of what is now a very robust and beautiful tree of genomics knowledge and understanding, but one thing we can continue to contribute is um, a real emphasis on the diversity of the workforce. I think it is an upstream imperative if we're going to see the downstream benefits of genetics and genomics. And so the Roundtable's work all across the board on workforce, I think, is tremendously important and will ultimately continue contribute to greater research participation and changes in the research agenda.
1: Maybe I could touch upon that a little bit more, too, because I think this is a topic that's certainly important to to you, Mona, and ASHC, and the Roundtable as well, and what we mean when we say we're a diverse group of individuals and we bring in diverse voices. And I think that We've been talking a lot about the different sectors that we bring in to hear from, but while professional background is important for sure, I think the roundtable has really been thinking more about how we are aiming to seek more diversity in a variety of ways, including thinking about racial and ethnic diversity, diversity in geography, career stage, socioeconomic status, and perspectives. I'm sure I'm leaving some angles of diversity out for sure, but I, I think we are thinking about it in these ways because it really adds to our understanding of of an issue and improves the quality of our work at the end of the day and the way that we see the field. And so I just wanted to note that is how it relates to our roundtables work and those that we invite to come and participate with us. And and I think it's just really important to mention that this is also of importance to the National Academies, of course, and is reflected in our strategic plan for our programs and action plans for our Diversity and Inclusion Office.
0: Now that we've had an opportunity to hear from members of each of these different working groups on the Roundtable. They've shared a number of stories and experiences that they've had throughout this process. Are there any of those stories or experiences that you've heard that really resonated with you?
1: So I think we heard a couple of things from the prior episodes. I think we heard about something that was pretty simple, actually, the power of optimism. I think that came up a couple of times and that came out in one of our innovation sessions focused on entrepreneurship. And it's it's in our strategic plan. And I think as a roundtable, we're really focused on thinking to the solutions, getting to the solutions as to not get too bogged down by the challenges, because I think those are so easy to just identify. And so that's really an important piece I hope the audience has taken away. The other thing I think is important has been the theme of mentorship. I think that's probably come up in a couple of different areas as well. The need for strong mentors to learn about new careers early on in an individual's career exploration and to help retain a diverse workforce and a talented workforce in a variety of different career paths. So I think that that, those were a couple of things looking back on the
2: episodes that stood out to me. Thanks, Sarah. Alongside that optimism, I was really struck by some of the conversation with the innovation group co-chairs about the horizon scanning that they are doing, and that there does really seem to be convergence of technology, knowledge, policy conversations that's getting ready to catalyze a lot of progress. I think Joyce Tung talked about the idea that your DNA can become a source of, of biological knowledge for medical treatment is a really positive um, and exciting kind of place for clinical care, but also for researchers to take back and say, how do we begin to, to understand that in more detail, make it actionable? and that's very exciting alongside the AI and data opportunities that the community has. Genetics and genomics and the broader research enterprise is already known for their bioinformatic uh, prowess and the the skill with large data sets, and I think it's only going to be more promising in years to come as the technology and the biological knowledge really come together to enable some of these transformative diagnostics and and therapeutics that the innovation group was talking about.
0: A lot of really important conversations have come out of this group. And it's important to note that in the end, this is still a pretty small group of people that are having these conversations. There are a lot of people involved, but there's a very large number of people that ultimately will be involved in the delivery of precision healthcare. How can people who aren't on the roundtable, whether they're just members of the lay public or professionals, such as scientists or clinicians, help to contribute to genomics and work toward this precision health model?
1: I was going to say I'm happy to start. I think there's a couple of really easy things that our listeners can do. They can go to our Genomics Roundtable website and join our listserv so that they're aware of upcoming events and public workshops. They can certainly reach out to our staff team with ideas and explore our resources. There's lots of proceedings and papers linked on our website that are products of the roundtables work. And we know that they've been used to inform other activities like setting up genomic medicine programs, for example. They've been used for educational materials for graduate courses. And I'd really encourage the listeners to explore what we have there, but also get involved. I think that I'm glad that we're having workshops back in person again and really to have a public audience in person is really helpful to bring in new and different voices. And we encourage listeners to pay attention to
2: those opportunities and join us for those discussions as well. Great, Sarah, and I would echo the opportunity both to take information away from these sessions that they can apply in their own work and then contribute to the conversations. One of the things that's really exciting about human genetics is that it's a tool and and an infrastructure that cuts across so many subject areas. And so within ASHG, we have cancer researchers, we have mental health researchers, we have cardiology researchers. And the questions that the roundtable are asking are really more at a systemic level, at a system-wide level. And so I'd encourage individuals to take this learning and say, what's relevant? What can I take back to my specialty area? What can I apply in my research? And then conversely, what do I feel passionate about and want to contribute to the conversation? It could be that uh, you have a particular passion for the use of data and its responsible use and data privacy. And so think about how these systemic changes and opportunities, where they spark a passion for you, because I assure you, there is a working group or a nonprofit or a government panel that is wanting to think about these issues and is looking for people who are excited about those particular issues. So I would say take away what you can back to your own community and work, as well as what you are passionate about and want to contribute to. What sparked interest for you as a
0: listener? So are there any new exciting initiatives or future developments you're hoping people might take part in, either from the roundtable or from ASHG in the area of genomics and precision health?
1: So I think I can share a little bit about what to look for and expect for this fall. The Genomics Roundtable will be releasing our next publication from our June workshop on next generation screening the promise and perils of DNA sequencing of newborns at birth. And that will be a proceedings and brief, and it'll be available on our website to download at no cost. And I think the the workshop really focused on a couple of different things to try to have a unique conversation in the space. I think you'll see that we focused on the question of sequencing in newborns, in healthy newborns specifically, that we took a look at many of the different ethical issues and equity issues as well, and that we also wanted to look beyond just the screening, just the test and consider follow-up care issues too. And I think that falls into the equity and access piece that we've been talking about. One of the things that came up during the workshop as well was to think about the language that we're using. So what do we mean by newborn screening? What do we mean by newborn sequencing? And what do we mean when we use simple phrases like building trust? So I think that those are some of the things that you'll see in the publication. But we're also planning for this fall to reflect upon our strategic plan. We're about halfway through the duration of the plan that we put in place in 2020. And we're planning a webinar to showcase the work that we've done over the past two to three years and to look ahead to what's next in 2024. So I encourage listeners to keep an eye out for more news from the roundtable.
2: Eli, I would be remiss if I didn't offer that ASHG's annual meeting and journals are always a source of emerging knowledge about precision health components and the the science behind it. And it is moving fast, both at the basic and translational levels, but also in terms of clinical research and, and application. And so that the editors-in-chief of both journals make Precision Health a really high priority in their own editorial visions, and the annual meeting will certainly have a lot of Precision Medicine content as well. One of the things that we're most excited about is ASHG's continued emphasis on professional education and the integration of research work alongside professional practice and social implications of the research they undertake. And so our Professional Practice and Social Implications Committee um, is continuing to host workshops and webinars, whether it's online or in person, to talk about the integration of these factors into the research enterprise. And for instance, at this fall's annual meeting, we'll be hosting a number of sessions really to talk through questions about population descriptors, where beneficiaries of some really important work the National Academies has done outside of the roundtable to foster that conversation. And, and how can we help researchers understand some of those larger factors? And begin to integrate it into their own work. So it's just one example on a, on a topic that we're pretty excited about. And Eli, I know you're involved with continuing to, to emphasize our professional education responsibilities and work with the research community.
0: The Roundtable on Genomics and Precision Health, the result of inter-organizational collaboration between people with many different viewpoints, training, and areas of interest, the resources that they're bringing together highlight the power of collaboration in answering tough questions. By sharing these conversations with you, our hopes to raise awareness, spark dialogues, and inspire action to turn the promise of precision healthcare care into the practice of precision healthcare. care. But it can only work with collective effort and engagement of all the stakeholders, including everyone involved in each step of the clinical care process, to the scientists doing the genomics discovery research, to the lay public who would receive the new care model. Sarah and Mona, as we wrap up, are there any key messages or calls to action you'd like to leave for our listeners?
2: Eli, I'd like to thank Sarah and the entire National Academies for the work that it has underway and and our appreciation for the importance of that venue in fostering dialogue. The Society takes very seriously its role in bringing together a lot of diverse voices and perspectives to move a field forward. And the National Academies is really a unique forum, and what I really hope members will take away is that sense that people are working on your behalf, working to tease out and help solve some of the biggest challenges in service to the promise of this incredible research and clinical enterprise. So I think it's much work to be done by the roundtable members, but also by all of our listeners. I hope these episodes will aid in that work and continue to promote interest in taking on these challenges. Also, a quick thanks to you, Eli, and our other host, Michelle, for taking the time to talk with the Roundtable members about this really important topic. We appreciate it.
1: And Mona, I just also wanted to thank you and ASHG for being so kind to host us on this podcast and have these really important conversations. I really think this is a great example of how the Roundtable can work with our member organizations, and I just really hope that this was useful to the audience as well to learn a little bit more about the National Academy's work on the Roundtable and ASHD and how we've worked together over the years. So thank you.
0: To learn more about the Roundtable on Genomics and Precision Health, you can visit their website. There you'll find valuable resources, reports, and publications relevant to the mission. This wealth of knowledge can help keep you up to date with their latest developments in the field. For scientists, researchers, clinicians, and other stakeholders, The National Academies and ASHG offer a range of events, workshops, and conferences to help facilitate collaboration, knowledge exchange, and networking opportunities. Thanks for listening. This is Eli Robertson signing off.